Welcome to the morally and intellectually ingenuous, sometimes disingenuous podcast. My name is Spencer Bryant. (laughs) Y'all thought I was about to be talking like that the entire time? Yeah. All right. This is a side of me that y'all have never seen before. So stay tuned. Hey, what's going on, y'all? My name is Spencer Bryant, the radio host, producer, Civil War historian, and now podcast host. The name of this podcast is the Morally and Intellectually Ingenuous, sometimes disingenuous podcast. Yeah, long title, I know. First of all, the reason why it's named that is because a lot of things these days are morally and intellectually ingenuous and disingenuous. Subject matter is often subjective. What I may find ingenuous, you may find disingenuous and vice versa. That's just the society we live in. Can't really do nothing about that. Also, I'm a very wordy person. I love to talk and I talk for a living. Also, I just feel like morally and intellectually ingenuous flows off the tongue so perfectly. So those are a few reasons why it's named that. But again, we'll talk about that a little bit later. This podcast has been a long time coming. First and foremost, I have to credit God for this podcast. Um, I feel like he has been putting it on my heart to start this thing. And uh, I'll talk about that in a second. Why? When when I talk about what the podcast is about. Also, I want to thank my parents. My parents have been very supportive in everything I've done. I've wanted to be a radio host since I was 15 years old. Um, Unfortunately, There are a lot of people that I know, um, but a lot of people that have not tapped into their potential because their family, their first layer of support has shot down every idea that they've had. So I got to give credit to my parents for always supporting me for what I do. Also, I want to give credit to my friends, my close friends that consist of about maybe three people. (laughs) Um, One of my favorite monologues is that Medea monologue that when she said um, friendship is like a tree. And, you know, sometimes friends can be like leaves. Uh, One season they're over here and another season they're over there. Um, Then they can be like branches. You know, they stick on for a little while, but eventually they fall off. But if you got about three or four friends that are like roots of the tree, um, you're blessed. And I do have those roots in my life. So uh, they've always supported everything that I have wanted to do and have done thus far. So the inspiration behind this podcast comes from the story that I have. Um, I have come a long way. I know what it's like to hit rock bottom and I know what it's like to climb out of rock bottom. The point of this podcast is to motivate, to inspire, to kickstart that thing in your brain that says, hey, you can do this. Um, You know, and no disrespect to any other podcast hosts, I actually produce several podcasts for work. Um, I'm gonna leave those unnamed for now, but, uh, there are a lot of podcasts out here that, you know, the same old ones that talk about dating and what do you bring to the table and, and who should pay what for the bills at dinner. Hey, look, man, if that's the type of stuff you like listening to, this ain't the show for you. This show is all about positive affirmations, overcoming adversity. Like I said, inspiration and letting people know that if you, if I can do it, you can do it. Um, everybody has a gift. Everybody has a purpose. It just takes some time for us to tap into it. Um, like I said, I knew that I wanted to be a radio host since I was 15 years old. 
Um, that's a story that I'm going to touch on in a little bit. This episode, you guys, is I entitled Sit Down. Uh, the reason why is because sometimes God has to sit us down to get through our heads. You guys know that we can be very stubborn as humans. And um, for those who are of like-minded faith, sometimes God puts things in front of you to kind of slow you down so you can think about what it is that you have to do in life. Also in this podcast, uh, we're going to talk about plenty of things such as habit building, positive habit building, breaking bad habits, habits that I've learned along the way. Now, one might ask, how many episodes can you make about yourself, Spencer? Well, just one. <laughs> if I kept making episodes of this podcast about myself, that would be a little bit, a little bit repetitive and a little bit egotistical. And by a little bit, I mean a lot of it. So on this podcast, each episode after this one, I will have a guest on to talk about their success story, things that they've learned along the way, their stories of hitting rock bottom. On this podcast, we're going to laugh. We're going to cry. We're going to share testimonies. We're going to share uh, stories of perseverance, overcoming adversity. Now, folks, I have a small disclaimer, and that is as clean as I want this podcast to be, we're grown. So I'm pretty sure an occasional F-bomb will jump out here and there. An occasional bitch will come out <laughs> here and there. But hey, look, again, that's why it is called the morally and intellectually ingenuous, sometimes disingenuous podcast. You're not going to like everything that's on the show because, as I said earlier, things are subjective. So if you're a little, uh, a little bit sensitive to those things, no worries, man. Just go ahead, click off my face and uh, go ahead, do what you got to do. But I'm just letting you know. That that might happen in the podcast. So I want to start off first by just telling the world who I am. Um, again, my name is Spencer and I am a radio host, producer, now podcast host and also Civil War historian. Um, that's more of a hobby than anything. Uh, just a little bit about how I started in radio or how I wanted to be in radio. When I was 15 years old, I remember uh, sitting in the house and uh, my grades really weren't too good. And I just got into it with my parents about a bad report card or something. So I'm in my room at 15 years old. And uh, this is after my father just kind of gave me that one of those talks about you need to get yourself together. And, you know, it's it's the real world isn't like this. And, you know, it's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. You need to find your purpose. And, you know, I'm 15. Like, I just want to play video games. I'm sitting up in my room and WPGC is on 95.5. And I can't recall what they were talking about, but this is the days of Donnie Simpson. He was on and they were talking about some discussion on the air. You know, they had it was one of them segments where people could call in and uh, voice their opinion. So, you know, I said, well, what the hell? Let me call. So I called. And it's funny now that I work in radios, knowing how like the behind the scenes of that stuff kind of stuff works. So this woman picks up the phone and she goes, hello, this is PGC. I was like, hey, this, this, this is Spencer Bryant. Did I get in? And she was like, yeah, are you calling to da, 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 talk to, you know, on the talk show to Donnie Simpson? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, even though I was 15, I knew who Donnie Simpson was. I mean, who doesn't know who Donnie Simpson is? He's one of the godfathers of radio. He puts she puts me on the phone with him and I answer whatever it is, whatever question it is that they're talking about. And I remember him saying, uh, Man, that's, you, you're a smart brother, man. You, How old are you? I said, well, I'm 15. I'm 15 years old. And he goes, oh, man, you're very advanced behind, beyond your years and da-da-da-da-da, whatever. And I was, oh, thank you. He goes, all right, man, you know, stick around. We're going to play this on the air a little bit and da-da-da-da-da. So 
I hang up the phone, I run downstairs, and I tell my parents, like, my dad, my dad, guess what? They're like, what? I said, I just got on the radio. They were like, you got on the radio? What do you mean you got on the radio? So I turned the radio on to 95.5, and right when I turned it on, uh, Donnie Simpson is talking. And he was like, all right, we got this young brother Spencer out of Waldorf or whatever, da-da-da-da-da. And you hear me come over the air. And that was the first time that I heard myself on the radio. And uh, it was just a magical experience, as they would say. And so my parents, they were really excited. They were really happy. And so my parents were like, hey, you sound really good on the radio. This might be something you want to try. And I was like, huh? And like they were like, yeah, you got to look in the radio. We've always told you you had a good voice. Y'all, I swear my voice has been deep since I was like six. There's a, a video that my mom has of me and my older brother. I was like maybe four. And I'm on this video talking about, yeah, so I'm hungry. Like my voice has been deep forever. So uh, in any event, um, that's when it clicked. And that's kind of new. That's when I knew I wanted to be on the radio. That was a magical day. They say there are two important days in your life. The day you're born and the day you figure out why. And I'm just blessed that I was able to figure out what it is that I wanted to do with my life at a very young age at 15. Um, so I went to college. I went to University of Maryland Eastern Shore. Shout out to the shore. And uh, they didn't really have a mass communications program. I think they have one now. So my junior year, uh, this is when I was pledging my fraternity, Phi Beta Sigma. And I was in this woman's class and her name was Dr. Dameron Johnson, a.k.a. Mama D. And that was my first time meeting her. And it's the first day of class. And, you know, she's taking attendance and she goes, Spencer Bryan. I said, yes, ma'am, I'm right here. And she just looks at me. And she goes, I need to talk to you after this class. I was like, damn, like class just started. What the hell I do? So she talks to me after class. She goes, yes, you know who I am, right? I said, no, ma'am. And she said, uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm the play director. I direct all the plays here, da, 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 whatever. I'm like, okay. Um, I just started pledging Sigma, so I ain't really thinking about none of that right now. So she goes, I'm putting on a fall production, a Christmas play about the birth of Jesus. And I said, okay. And uh, so she goes, you're going to be my narrator. And I said, huh? And she said, yeah, you're going to be my narrator. Not can you be my narrator? Not are you interested in being my narrator? Not even, hey, have you ever narrated before? No, you're going to be my narrator. And I was like, huh? And the first, the first day of rehearsals come and she gives me this, I swear, 30 page script. And I was like, yo, this is insane. I'm doing this. I'm pledging Sigma. But little did I know, these were the steps that God was ordering me in. Um, and I've never been on stage before. Actually, no, I have been on stage one time before that. In high school, uh, I hosted a talent show called Coffee House with my boy, Will Davidson. Shout out to Will. He getting married this year, y'all. Tell him congratulations. And he just had a little girl. Congrats, man. I hosted the coffee. I hosted the talent show. With him, And that was like my only experience really being on stage or doing anything voice related. So the, Mama D, she had faith in me. It didn't know me from a can of paint, but she saw something. Um, she saw what my parents saw that I couldn't see within myself. And she had made me her narrator. And the play was a hit, man. And like it gave me this boost of confidence going, man, I could really do something with this talent of mine. 
So now comes my senior year of college, and I had the great opportunity to be an intern on the NPR member station uh, that was on the Eastern Shore, and that was WESM 91.3. And uh, I have to credit um, another person who I hold dear to my soul, um, one of my first mentors, his name was is Stephen Williams. He was the program director of that station at the time. And, uh, you know, I didn't really know a thing about radio. I was super excited, you know, because I'm an intern on the radio station now. And, you know, I talking to him. I didn't know him. He didn't know me. It was his first time having an intern. It was my first internship. So we were kind of like teaching each other. And so this guy pretty much taught me a lot of what I know today. So I originally went in to be an intern for a board operator. And um, that's a very old school job. <laughs> we don't really have board operators in radio. We have sound engineers. Um, but, you know, with me at the particular station that I work on, you know, we I do everything myself. Um, so, you know, I was a little bored. And as much as I tried to put on my best professional face, I guess he could see right through that. And so I was bored. So he goes, hey, man, you know, um, you know, I, I don't want you to be bored here. Like, you know, and I said, no, no, it's fine. He goes, hey, let me ask you something. Have you ever tried getting into voice acting? And I was like, well, what's that? And he was like, oh, man, you know, you see it on cartoons or you might turn on a sports show. And it's like, you know, the voice behind everything. I said, oh, yeah, like, you know, I know what that is. And he was like, have you ever considered that? And I was like, nah, not really. Like, <laughs> you know, I didn't really know what it was. He goes, all right, well, I'll tell you what. Next time you come in, uh, I'm going to give you some copy and I'm going to teach you how to use the software. Matter of fact, the same software that I'm using now to direct <laughs> to do this podcast. So I come in and he has a couple sheets in front of me and it's a crime story. And uh, it's a made up story that he got offline. Um, and so I narrated that and he taught me how to put music behind it. And uh, that was my first time doing any type of voiceover work. And again, the the skies opened up, the sun shined through, and I was like, damn, this is cool, man. I want to do this. And uh, as a matter of fact, I got a clip of that right now. I'm going to play it for y'all real quick. I reached the police station as soon as I got the call. Hello, I am Detective Martin Fox, New York Police Department. It was 7 a.m. in the morning when the station received an email from an unknown ID saying that seven bombs have been planted in the city. We were not sure if it was true or not, but we had no option to work on it. The station replied back to the email, asking to why were these bombs planted. After an hour or so, we again received an email which was still untraceable. It read, Wait for further information. Everyone was confused and horrified, both at the same time. After taking opinion from the experts, we declared that the email was fake, one as they were giving unreasonable replies, and the motive was still unknown. Most of the people returned back to their normal work, but somehow I knew that this was not something that should be ignored. I kept waiting for the reply. Then at about 10 a.m., they mailed us again. It said that the bomb was ticking inside our own headquarters. This was something which could not be avoided. I immediately that, you guys, was my first actual narration. Um, Ten years ago, God. <laughs> uh, that was the first time that I did any type of voiceover work, man. And uh, Stephen definitely groomed me for not only the radio world but the voiceover world and yeah man that last clip um it was originally like five minutes long i'm not gonna play that whole thing 
Uh, but I went from doing that to years later, man, uh, kind of grew, uh, grew in the business. I did a few commercials for Mercedes, Hennessy, Lincoln, Rolex, couple things like that. As a matter of fact, I got this uh, pretty cool Hennessy commercial that I want to play for you guys just to kind of show you uh, the growth that I got in the business as far as voiceover goes. So here it goes. They say nothing perfect exists. But when you think of perfection, what comes to mind? Is it the way something looks? The way something feels? Or maybe, in this case, it's the way something tastes? One would have to agree that it's rare to find something perfect. But if it's perfect, then that means it's rare. Since 1765, perfection was born and aged through an elegant blend that has revealed the rich aromas that a perfect cognac can obtain. Hennessy opens the gates of a refined and elegant dimension. Hennessy Paradis. Perfection does exist. Hopefully y'all could hear the difference. <laughs> Big difference. Um, so... Yeah, definitely got to credit Stephen Williams uh, for that. Um, I believe he's a program director in a radio station in West Virginia now. But Stephen, if you're listening, man, appreciate it, dog. You uh, definitely helped me out a lot. So I did the internship, man, and I uh, learned a lot. And, and it, uh, it was uh, definitely a very beneficial experience. Um, so at the time, I'm 21, 22 years old. Um, I was in a relationship at the time. And uh, so I remember me and Stephen had this conversation. And you know, he goes, so what are your plans after graduating? I said, oh, I'm going to go on the radio and I'm going to be a voiceover artist. So he goes, OK, well, that's nice. But what what's your backup? <laughs> and I said, oh, I don't need no backup, you know, being an arrogant 22 year old. And uh, it's kind of like I have to admit how right my parents were, how growing up I thought I knew everything. And this is, was an example of it. Um so he goes, what's your, what's your backup? I said, I don't need a backup. I'm going to go straight into radio and da, 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 And he says, he goes, Spencer, I'm telling you, like, you need a backup. Like, it's not that easy to get into broadcasting, da, 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 especially voiceovers. You know, you need to do all these things. And I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. <laughs> so, you know, I graduated college in May of 2013. And I remember I took all my graduation money and I bought uh, studio equipment, um, some cheap speakers, a cheap microphone, uh, you know, and I said, cool, I'm going to start my voiceover career. And uh, I took this class, this voiceover class. Um, his name was Bill DeWeese, one of my first voiceover mentors. You guys, uh, he used to be the voice of Chevy for a little while. Then he did. Uh, he was the voice of Disney for a little while. And, uh, you know, I'm having conversations with him. And, you know, he's like, man, this, you know, it's a very lucrative business but you know i've been in this business about eight years and it's taken me a time a long time to build my business so you know again being the arrogant 20 some odd person 20 year old person i was you know i'm not really listening to that he was right <laughs> uh so I, I i got humbled really fast and what happened was i was doing audiobooks full time and uh, i still do them from time to time and but I started learning that, you know, there's really no money in this. Like I thought, like, you know, and it's hard to uh, uh, get contracts and land um, deals with authors and stuff is such stuff such as that. And so, you know, my girlfriend at the time, you know, she had our, she we graduated together 
And, you know, she was a teacher. She got her career already. And um, I was raised in a very old school household. My parents, they're celebrating their 40th anniversary this year. So, you know, I hold a lot of those traditional values that they've instilled in me. And one of those is the man got to have a plan. What you going to do? And I was like, damn, I can't ask this woman to marry me, you know, and I <laughs> am making what, $200 a month, <laughs> like, you know what I mean, doing these audiobooks. So that's how I got into law enforcement. And uh, I'm not going to specify what agency, department, contract, whatever you want to call it. Just know that I carried a gun for a living for almost seven years. And um, so I said, OK, yeah, this is what I got to do. And because, you know, I'm going to ask this woman to marry me and I got to buy the ring and I got to do this and I got to do that. And da, 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 da. And, you know, I started working in this area of law enforcement when I was 23. And, um, you know, little did I know that God was setting me on a path that I did not see coming. And a I should have named this episode Ups and Downs, man, because that's exactly how these last seven years were. And uh But when I first got into law enforcement, I still always held the dream of being a famous voiceover artist and being a radio host and a producer and things of that nature. But, um, you know, I'm, what, 23 years old, making almost six figures a year. That plan, that goal went out the window fast, you know, because I got addicted to the money and I lost my my train of thought. I lost my vision. I lost my goals And uh, I was actually reading an article the other day about airplanes. Um, I recently started playing Flight Simulator on Xbox, and I was just reading about planes and this, that, and the third. And if a 747 jet takes off from L.A. going to New York, if the pilot at 35,000 feet turns the plane at 10 degrees to the right, you'll end up in D.C., You guys see where I'm going with this (laughs) in life. I have found out and realized how how sorry, how easy it is to get knocked off course. And it takes one small thing for you to lose your vision and lose course of where God wants you to be. And I got addicted to this money and this, that and the third working these crazy hours, Um, you know, but I kind of felt there was a dark cloud over my head and um some circumstances that I'm not necessarily going to get into right now uh, led me to a point in life where I hit rock bottom the first time uh, on March 12th of 2016. Rock bottom was so deep that I ended up giving my life back to Christ on March 13th of 2016. Uh, March 12th was a, was a was a very traumatizing day in a good way. It made me realize a lot of things. Um you know, uh, I was, I, I used to think I used to use women as therapy. I used to, you know, just be this person that I knew I wasn't. As I said before, I come from a household where my parents have been together for almost 40 years and I'm living this hot boy lifestyle and, you know, thinking it's cool to, to play people and be an asshole and do all these things and treat people like shit. And like, you know what I mean? It's just, you know, but all the while I felt this tap on the back of my shoulder. Didn't know what that was at the time. Um, and you know, these horrible habits that I built over the years, uh, led up to March 12th of 2016. And then I ended up meeting God again. Uh, and I dedicated my life back to him on March 13th of 2016. Um, 
So uh, Denzel Washington, I was watching the interview with him. He's one of my favorite actors, motivators. The guy is just an amazing person. And he had said, man, I done met God about three, four times, <laughs> but I don't need to make, I don't need to, I don't need to mess up again where I got to meet him again, you know? And my grandmother, she would always say that you can have your, your parents mad at you. You can have your teachers mad at you and punish you, you, whatever, anybody can punish you. And, but when God is mad and God decides to step in, that's when it can get a little scary, but it's all for our good though. And at the time, during the time we, we can't really see that. So uh, I started rebuilding my life right then and there and um, started working on that's when I started going to therapy um, in April of 2016. And I still have the same therapist um, that I had when I first started. She's an amazing woman, uh, has helped me realize a lot of things over the years. Um, one of them, one of the prolif most prolific things is you don't know everything <laughs> and it's fine to be taught uh, one of my favorite quotes is by Mark Twain, where he said that I will never let my schooling get in the way of my education. And that's what life is. Life is an ever learning process. Uh, school ends after a certain time. After you flip that tassel from the left to the right, that's when school ends. But education and life never, ever stops. Um, so these were the years that I was trying to build myself back up, treating people better, treating women, uh, with respect that they deserve, you know, trying to be that, uh, chip off the old block of what my father, uh, set in stone for me and my brother. My father always talks about, you know, a man being a man, you know, and, you know, I don't really care for the Steve Harvey's and the Derek Jackson's and all that because all those guys really do is just really talk bad about men and you know I don't I don't really subscribe to that but my father's one of those people where he's just always been a man's man you know what I mean and he always has uh has these old school sayings and I actually have a clip of him talking about this very thing about how young black men should be and uh here it goes there's there's a and there's z what do you want to do with it Right. How do you want to live it? Do you want to? Do, is it in your heart to share your life with someone? Mm -hmm. To be compatible with someone? To give to someone? Or is it that way? Here's the problem that I see with young men, and, and I'm going to say, and I've said this to Spencer and CJ their whole lives, and this is a very dangerous thing for men. This ain't got nothing to do with women. And I told my wife this when they were little, and I told her when they got older. I said, "Listen to me. They're, they're young men." This is not chauvinistic, and I don't want you to think this. That it's not. You have to have a plan for what you're doing with your life. Because with men, the worst thing with us is to be out there in the desert and not going anywhere. But men, it's horrific. Because we end up doing things with no accountability, disrespecting people, disrespecting women, disrespecting your children. You don't care. You either stand for something and die for nothing. So that was my father talking to uh, me and a couple other people about his opinions on, you know, men having a plan and knowing what you want to do for your life. And, you know, if you as you heard him, if you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for anything. And uh, those are the values that I've tried to fix over the years. Um, but I saw myself creeping back down again. So. You know, guys, the, the the crazy thing about depression is it is a silent killer. 
um, you know, the people that suffer the worst from it are the ones that are in denial that they have it. And, uh, you know, Spence having depression, Spence is one of the most optimistic people you'll ever meet. He's always happy, go lucky. Um, but I started sinking back down again. Um, and not only mentally this time, but now physically, um, I got stuck, uh, and I got stuck in a rut and, you know, I had plenty, plenty of bad habits, um, that I didn't realize that I built, um, over the years. And, you know, so this is about 2018, 19, where I don't know, you know, I started doing some soul searching and I was like, man, I really got to get out of this career and being in law enforcement. Actually, well, that wasn't a career. That was a dead end job. <laughs> so I was like, damn, I got to start getting out of this career and of this job and I want to pursue my goals. But, you know, um, at the time, you know, I was working overnight and, you know, I worked overnight straight for seven years and, um, it was really, it's really depressing working overnight, especially in that line of work. Uh, you really have no life. Um, it's hard to be social. It's hard to date. Uh, it's hard to do a lot of things when you work at night. It's hard to spend time with family. And, uh, you know, it's a dark cloud over that. Well, there was a dark cloud over my head, I should say. And, uh, but I kept trying to ignore it. Now this kind of like leads me into the, the, other part of my story when it comes to not only my mental health, but my physical health. And so um, I remember I was walking my dog and I was coming up the steps and I started getting lightheaded. And I was like, okay, maybe, you know, I haven't eaten or whatever. Heart was racing. And I'm like, okay. And then so my mom, um, who, who was a saint of a woman, wouldn't hurt a fly. I remember one day she says to me, she goes, oh, honey, um, you know, I, do you go to the gym at all? And I was like, damn, <laughs> you know, and I, I mean, you look, man, I'm not going to, you know, this, this podcast, this show is about complete transparency. So I'm going to be real with y'all. I knew I was in bad shape. You know, I knew it, but I was trying to, you know, uh, disregard it. Um, and I knew I had to get in shape and like, you know, it's it it like as far as like getting in shape and being healthy, like, you know, I've done the yo-yo dieting. I've went back to, um, you know, I've tried to go to the gym and I start and go there for two weeks and, you know, then I stop and then I start again. And, you know, so, yeah, I know how it is, man. And, you know, there were little things that, you know, kept telling me like man look you got to get your life together you gotta you gotta get out of this job you gotta get your mental health back in order you gotta get your spiritual life back in order you gotta get your, your physical health back in order but you know again i, I just kind of got stuck and little did i know that this was depression you know what i mean and i didn't know that i actually i, I knew i was depressed but i'm like okay you know that's not me like i would look up like habits or sorry uh symptoms of being depressed. And I'm like, okay, that's not me. Like, you know what I mean? I don't do that. I don't do that. But you're, you're kind of in denial. Yeah, you actually do. And, um, you know, I just kind of was in this rut and this really dark rut, man. And, uh, when 2020, I was in a relationship for a little while, uh, that started in 2019 and that ended, uh, a little right before COVID started. And, um, you know, the relationship itself was just not the right thing to do. And um, the person I was with had a golden heart. Um, she was a she was a phenomenal person. But, you know, she had her own shit that she hadn't dealt with. I had my own shit that I didn't deal with. 
And, you know, it was just like two people that got no business, <laughs> not business, business being together. And um, it could have been anybody, man, at that time, because I was so lonely. And if anybody like showed me any type of attention, I just would have asked them to be together because I'm like, OK, this is the person that likes to be with me, <laughs> you know. And um, always in the past was insecure about my looks, insecure about my weight. Um, you know, and you know, Hey, this was a pretty girl that likes me. So hell, why not? And it just was not a good thing to do. So that relationship ended, um, right before COVID started and boom, COVID happened. And you guys remember everything got shut down and, you know, so now I'm in the house by myself all the time in solitude. I like to cook. I cook all the time and uh, I was cooking before COVID, but you know, now that I'm home, I'm experimenting with all these recipes and I'm frying everything and making homemade red velvet cakes. But I live alone. The only person that I live with has big old ears and four legs and fur. So where's all this food going? It's going into me. So, you know, my routine became a hamster wheel. I go to sleep during the day. I wake up at night, go to work. I come home, gorge on food, unhealthy food at that. Go to sleep, go to work come home like it was just a hamster wheel play video games all day you know and um so during this time i got into fishing uh and i got really good at it man fishing is still one of my favorite pastimes i only do it with a few people uh mainly my boy trevor and malik and so uh july 24th is a day that another day i'll never forget and uh me and trevor are out fishing and i ended up uh, having a fishing accident, a bad fishing accident, and I almost cut my finger off. So go to the doctor. They tell you, they tell me, hey, man, you uh, ripped all of your tendons in your index finger. So I was like, what? <laughs> and they were like, yeah, like you got to get surgery. And so I'm like, are you serious, man? Like what? And, you know, like I said, I carried a gun for a living, so I couldn't go to work because my one of my hands were was out of commission. So now, folks, this is what leads me into why this episode is called Sit Down. Uh, this is what I like to call the climax of the episode and the reasoning for it, where everything comes together. My father drives me home after surgery, and uh, the healing process was going to take up to five months at least. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, man, I'm going to be out of work and this, that, and the third all this time. So my dad drives me home and he's, I'm sitting on the couch. He's about to leave. He goes, Spencer, don't you eat yourself to death in this house? You know, I know you upset. I know you depressed and, you know, I know whatever, but don't be in here, you know, just eating yourself to an early grave. And uh, I said, no, no, I ain't going to do that. So y'all, what exactly do you think it is that I did? Ate myself into not obviously an early grave, but into a very, very bad place in life. I got up to about 285. And uh, the heaviest I've ever been. And I knew I was big, but I had no idea I was that big. I had no idea I was that unhealthy. So, guys, the reason why this episode is called Sit Down, because I'm pretty much on medical leave. I This is the first time in seven years where I'm at home doing absolutely nothing. And now God said, now it's just me and you. Sit down. <laughs> You need to sit here and rethink everything about where your life is going. Because at the time, y'all, I wasn't doing nothing with my life. I was going to work, coming home, getting fat, playing video games. That was it. And I'm almost, at the time, I was almost 30. You know, had no sense of direction, lost my passion for radio, lost my passion for voice acting. Um, it was really, really bad. 
So all this time, man, I was sitting at home doing nothing. The only thing that kept me occupied was this. Uh, one of my friends that I grew up with, a guy by the name of Ronald Callender, some of you guys may know him, he wrote a book called Entre Discipleship. And basically, it was a book of biblical and business principles that led him to the success that he has in his life. Um, he owns a uh, men's fashion company that is doing very, very, very well. Um, I actually had a suit made by him. And uh, his company is called Ainsley and True. And he wrote a book about his story on how he got to be where he is. And now I'm reading. Uh, he asked me to narrate this book for him as he was trying to put it into an audio version. And y'all, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to y'all. I hate narrating audiobooks, And the reason why is irrelevant, but I just hate it. So, you know, Ron is a really good friend of mine. We go back to middle school. So he goes, hey, man, I really like you to narrate my book. So I said, OK, and I'm reading it. And I told him this. Hopefully he'll be a guest on the show in a future episode. Um, but his book kind of like woke me up a little bit. And, you know, it was about uh, him and his journey, uh, his spiritual journey uh, with how God guided him. And looking back, man, the timing of that couldn't have been more impeccable. Um, that I'm sitting at home doing absolutely nothing but narrating this book. But as I'm narrating it, I'm reading it. And I won't lie to you guys again. Usually when I'm narrating a book, I'm narrating it. I can finish I can narrate a whole book. Get, can't tell you a damn thing what it was about. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I'm so focused on the enunciations and the pauses and, you know, the diction and getting my voice right and making sure everything is clear. This book I was actually reading while I was narrating it. Um, so that was one of the profound moments of when I was at home also because I was out of work, you know, I don't really have, I didn't really have any money coming in. Um, this was another opportunity for me to really appreciate the parents that I have, um, you know, not ashamed to admit because we all got to come somewhere, but you know, for a while I didn't really know what I had as far as my parents go. You know, as far as them still being together and having a healthy marriage and literally maybe seeing them argue twice my entire 31 years in life. Um, this was a time where I I really got to be able to God gave me the opportunity to stop taking my family for granted because they helped me through that process um, and helped me through that really dark time as far as being out of work, not only financially, but morally, too between reading Ron's book and, and appreciating who my family was. Uh, one day, um, I met my homegirl, Amber, who's going to be on the next episode. Uh, I met her and her father's house. And so, you know, her father, shout out to Carl, one of my other mentors. Um, people ask me how I got on the radio. And I never really talk about how, but this is about transparency. So this is the real story on how I got into my dream career. One day I was at Amber's father's house, Carl's house, and uh, me and him were just in the back smoking some cigars. And uh, this is around like October-ish of, or more, more so September-ish of 2020. And, you know, I uh, am at his house and we're smoking cigars and he asked, hey man, you still doing voiceovers? And I was, an, I was embarrassed to admit that, man, I hadn't done a voiceover other than Ron's book in a minute. 
you know, and I was like, oh, yeah, a little bit, you know, uh, I'm doing a little bit here and there, you know, but like I kind of lost my passion because between being at this dead end job and doing, you know, working overnight, like I'm the most depressed I've ever been. Um, So I lost my fire to reach what it is that I wanted to do with my life as far as goals are concerned. So I said, nah, yeah, a little bit, man. But, you know, I, I really want to be on the radio. Like, that's what I'm really trying to do. So he goes, oh, yeah. And I said, yeah. And he was like, oh, well, hey, man, you know, I, I know a person that works in radio. And so, you know, he calls his friend, um, who's my now boss that I'm not going to name. But uh, he calls his friend and, you know, he says, um, Hey man, you know, uh, I got a, I got a, a mentee of mine here that, you know, is trying to be on the radio. I told him like, I can talk to you. So you can kind of like talk to him and you know, guys, like I've been trying to be on the radio for what, 15 years at this point. And, um, well really, if I'm being honest, more like 10, because I graduated in college in 2013. Um, so, you know, I've heard that, yeah, I know a guy, I know a guy, I know a guy. And so, you know, I didn't really take it seriously. So I'm talking to him. And he's like, yeah, man, you know, my name is such and such. I'm uh, a general manager for such and such station. And, um, you know, what's your experience? And every millennial hates that question. And I didn't really have any. The only experience I had was my internship that I mentioned earlier in the show with Stephen Williams. And I was like, well, you know, I interned on a uh, NPR station, uh, which was 91.3 WESM. And he was like, hey, yeah, uh, Stephen Williams. And I said, yeah, you know him? He goes, yeah, yeah, man, good friend of mine, man. We go way back. And I was like, you know Stephen Williams? <laughs> and he goes, yeah, yeah, I know Stephen Williams. And so I go, oh, okay, well, yeah, you know, I did an internship there when I was in college. And so he goes, oh, okay, all right, well, that's cool, man, that's cool. Hey, man, well, hey, look, we'll talk, and, you know, uh, Carl will give you my information, and da-da-da-da-da, and that was the end of the conversation. So I was like, damn, well, I guess that was it. That was his way of telling me, hey, like, you know, I'm not really – I ain't really messing with you. You ain't got no real experience. Uh, one night I was at home. Uh, my mentor calls me and he goes, hey, um, you know, uh, uh, such and such wants to talk to you. Such and such being the guy that he introduced me to. And so I said, OK, all right. And uh, so I ended up Googling this guy and I Googled his name. And the first seven pages of Google was this guy. And again, uh, he shall remain nameless. But um, this guy had some juice. And I was like, damn, like, you know. So, you know, I, I'm on the phone with him and he basically goes, hey, I'm looking for a host, a weekend host. And, um, you know, I could really use your, your, your talents. And I was like a host. You know, I thought I was going to start out like cleaning the toilets or something. I was like, hell yeah, I'll be a host. And so he goes, all right, man. Well, yeah, I'm going to introduce you to the program director and da, 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 whatever, whatever, whatever. And we can take it from there. This, You guys, this is a very short version, but uh so I said, okay. So, you know, the program director calls me. I'll never forget the day he called me. I was getting my stitches taken out of my hand for after my surgery. And he calls me and he goes, hey, this is such and such from such and such station. Um, You got time to talk. Y'all, I am hauling ass through Georgetown Hospital. I think I knocked over an old woman on a walker or something. And so I get outside and he was like, hey, man, you know, if you want to come to the station and we can talk for a little bit and I can get to know you. So I'm thinking this is an interview, y'all. Like, I'm thinking, OK, all right. So I went out, got a new suit, told my parents, my dad, parents were really excited. Mom was really excited. You know, I'm really nervous because I got everything riding on this, you know, and uh, so I'm I'm driving up to Baltimore 
I'm nervous. I'm like, man, I hope I get this job. I hope you get this job. And my pastor always says, has always said that, you know, you're sitting there worried about something that God already figured out and worked out long before you even knew it was going to be in front of you. And reason I say that is because as I'm driving up there, uh, my now boss calls me and he goes, hey, um, you know, just to let you know, man, everything's good to go. This, that, and the third and blah, 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 blah. You know, welcome to the team and all this other stuff. And y'all, what I thought I was driving, I thought I was driving to a job interview. I did not know I was driving to the station to pretty much just as a meet and greet and to show me around because I'd already got the job and did not fill out one piece of paperwork. Um, that is what the old folks like to call favor. <laughs> and it was just one of the most profound moments, man, that not only have did I reach, you know, my dream career, um, it was in a in a in a broadcast setting that I always wanted to be in. You know, it, it took a little while to hit me. And honestly, if I'm being transparent again, it's still a little, you know, I still feel like I got to pinch myself that, damn, this is what I do for a living now. So uh, that was one of the profound things that happened um, during 2020 as far as my journey goes. But the most profound thing is um, this. So. I got the job and that helped with my confidence. And I'm like, damn, I'm on the radio now. And da, 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 da. So this is where I'm getting back into the health aspect and health, uh, my, my physical health of this episode. And um, I'm driving uh, to Georgetown Hospital to get my finger uh, evaluated. Um, doctor wanted to look at my hand after my surgery. So I'm sitting down and, you know, the nurse comes in and takes my vitals and my blood pressure and all that. So she puts the blood pressure thing on my hand and or sorry, on my arm. And so she's looking at the, the computer and she makes this like her horrified face like she just saw a ghost. <laughs> and she looks at me and she goes, um, Mr. Brown, are you feeling OK? I said, yes, ma'am. And so she goes, are you sure? I said, yeah. And she goes, all right, I'll be right back. She comes back in the room with not one, not two, but three cardiologists. And I'm like, who the hell is y'all niggas? Because I'm here to see my orthopedic surgeon. And so she was like, oh, well, this is Dr. Such and Such. I can't remember their names. So they take my blood pressure again. And the doctor goes, hmm, Mr. Brown, let me ask you something. Did you drive here? I said, yes, sir. He goes, okay. Uh, does your family know you're here? And I said, yeah. And he goes, okay, um, well, we need you to pull your car into the uh, uh, overnight parking garage or whatever it was, and we're going to validate your parking, but we need to admit you to the hospital right now. And I was like, uh, negative, y'all got the wrong person. Is that a third? I got stuff to do, whatever. I'm not. And they were like, sir, you, you don't understand. Look at this. And he shows me the computer. And basically, y'all, my blood pressure was twice the level it should have been. Um, healthy blood pressure for a man my age, a black man my age, should be like maybe 120 over 60, 70, something like that. Well, mine was in the twos. Um, we're talking heart attack. We're talking stroke. We're talking all types of crazy stuff. And he goes, Mr. Bryant, if we don't admit you now to get this, to get your blood pressure down, you may not see the end of the week. And never heard nothing like that. Um... Very profound moment. 
and uh, you know, a very scary moment that you know, in the th in in a very disappointing moment too, because it's kind of like remember y'all like you know you didn't study for a test and you would take the test and you'd be worried about failing and you failed like <laughs> you kind of knew you were gonna fail like it was kind of the same thing because like I knew I was in bad shape. But nothing was really in my face to show me how bad of shape I was in. But now the doctors look, doctors are looking at me in the face and going, "Hey, big dog, I don't know who you've been listening to. I don't know what Instagram posts you've been reading about body positive, but you need to get your health in order because you're about to die. And it was one of the scariest moments, man. And um, so... To kind of add insult to injury, I was uh, getting to know a young uh, a young lady at the time, and uh, <laughs> I remember I'm laying in this hospital bed. It is funny now; I can look back on it, and you know, you know, that's the point of this podcast is to be transparent. You know, to make you feel good, to make you laugh. Sometimes it'll be sad. Uh, sometimes it'll be funny. But I remember I was sitting in the bed and I was texting this girl and she didn't know I was in a hospital and like, you know, I had two IVs in my arms and, uh, you know, she goes, hey, you know, uh, you seem like a nice guy, dot, dot, dot. And I'm like, here we go. But I don't like fat guys. <laughs> uh, that's a true story. And, uh, you know, if she's listening to this. All I can say is, you know, thank you for the push, um, because that was the moment where I said, hell no, enough is enough. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Um, this was on October 24th of 2020 that all of this happened. And uh, so I said, you know what? I have to get in shape. I have to get my health together. I cannot keep living like this. I'm only 29 years old. The doctor just told me I might not see the end of the week at 29 out of something that I can control. So October 24th was the day this happened. And November 1st is the day that I started on my fitness journey. And um, it has been to date since the taping of this podcast, 479 days consistent uh, with my health, with my fitness, with my nutrition. Um, and 2020, October of 2020, I went from the doctor telling me, hey, your blood pressure is too high, you're overweight, you're not going to see 31, to me actually starting my uh, classes to get my personal training certification. And that is exactly what this podcast is about, y'all. It is about telling stories of being in rock bottom, knowing what it's like to be the lowest of low and how you can make it out of that cave if you want to. That was the day that those are that around that time was when I learned that happiness was a choice. Um, and too often we wait for certain things to happen in life for us to be happy when in fact you can really make that decision right now uh, to be to 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 create your own happiness. Will it be easy? Hell no. Will it be fast? Absolutely not. But I remember when I was pledging Sigma, my dean told us the first night, anything worth having is worth working hard for. And the habits that I have built over these last two years, I mean, my life is just in a completely different place. Um, 
I'm not afraid to take pictures anymore. I'm not afraid to smile anymore. I'm not afraid to talk to people anymore. Rejection used to scare the hell out of me. Um, it still sucks. Don't get me wrong. Like nobody likes being rejected. But hey, big dog, that's the that's just the way of life. You know, you're gonna get rejected on all all aspects from jobs, from from men and women, from in from a uh, from a romantic setting to to uh, uh, all types of factions, man. And like rejection doesn't even bother me. I was actually reading a uh, not reading, watching a sermon by T.D. Jakes, and he started talking about how I didn't know this at the time that rejection uh, oftentimes can be a phobia for some people. And I feel like like one point that was uh, a huge phobia of mine. So, you know, the habits that I've built over the course of the, um, the two, uh, last couple of years, um, you know, for example, like I wake up at four in the morning every day. Um, you know, people are like, oh, you really go to bed at eight? Dog, we're in our 30s. What haven't you done that you think you're missing where you can go to bed, sleep, go to bed early and wake up early? I ain't missing nothing. Hey, niggas ain't doing nothing right. Dog, I don't like, nah, I'd rather go to sleep early, wake up early and, you know, get my day started at 4, 430 in the morning. And, you know, that um, as far as nutrition goes, um, probably one of the most disciplined areas of my life now um, before man vegetables were not a thing water was not a thing now i think i had popeyes the other day for the first time in over a year and a half and y'all it was bomb it was good as hell uh we're gonna have another episode about health and nutrition later but um so those are some of the habits uh that i've built um i've learned another habit method uh it's called the three r rule reminder routine and reward Reminder is the trigger that initiates the behavior, um, whether it be working out, whether it be answering emails, whatever task it is. Uh, the routine is the behavior in itself, the action you take. OK, I have to work out. I know that's on my mind. So what are you going to do about it? You have to go to the gym. And then the last R is the reward, uh, the benefit you gain from doing the behavior. Um, for me personally, working out started out as a chore, but now the feeling that I have after I work out is the reward. It's the accomplishment. Yeah, people start noticing the results. You start attracting people, you know, of the opposite sex, whatever the case may be. People start noticing you. And that's all well and good. But, you know, it, how do it, I like how it makes me feel at the end of a workout. And all of us have outlets, you know. Too often in this society we live in, we 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 criticize other people's outlets. Uh, we criticize what other people choose to do to make them feel well. And I am a firm believer of the profound statement of mind your goddamn business. <laughs> like you know what I mean? What another person does in their free time to make them be a better person has absolutely nothing to do with you. And you have, we have no place or nor, nor do we have a right to take that away from them. Um, whether it be working out, whether it be going for a drive, whether it be, you know, playing video games, whatever the case may be, at the end of the day, you have to worry about yourself. That's the only, you came in this world alone, you gonna go out of it alone. You know, uh, the only time I can see myself getting in the middle of someone's, uh, uh, routine of, 
relaxing as if they were like putting a needle in their arm or something, but that's a little extreme. Um, so reminder, routine and reward. Also, guys, this is another thing that I have noticed and I've gotten used to it by now, but it's a very weird thing. Um, people don't like you being happy. It's the craziest thing, man. What's the saying? Uh, misery loves company. Uh, it's the wildest thing. I remember, you know, being depressed for so many years, man. Like, you know, rarely anybody checks on you. Rarely anybody asks you how you're doing. Sometimes even family and they don't mean nothing by it. It's just depending on how you project whatever it is you're going through. They might not know, you know, something is going on. Um, but nevertheless, people don't really like you being happy. And it's like, you know, October 24th was a day where I said enough is enough. I'm going to do better for myself. And that's kind of when all the haters started talking shit. It was the wildest thing. Like I'm sitting here, you know, I'm bringing my food. This is when I was still working in law enforcement and I'm, I'm bringing my food to work, you know, and my nutrition, my diet is completely different. So, you know, before what I ate at work was honey buns and, and, and snacks and, 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 and all heart attack food. You know, ain't nobody saying nothing. If anybody be like, oh, man, what vending machine you get that out of? You know, whatever. I started bringing healthier food to work. Here come these niggas talking about, oh, you eating that? Oh, you don't need to be eating that. This is what you need to be doing. And at first, it was a complete shock because I was like, well, damn. Like, I, you know, I'm someone, anybody who who knows me well knows I mind my business and I'm a very optimistic and happy person. So... You know, it was it was very foreign to me that people started like criticizing me on because I'm I'm actually trying to do better now. You know, going to the gym. Oh, you going to the gym? And because I was such in a a, a dark place for so long, I, I this was all new. Like everything is new. And if I'm being honest, guys, like this is this is another reason why I wanted to take the podcast because like y'all are going to be taking this journey with me. We're going to be taking this journey together because I'm still in a very foreign place. Like, this is the first time in my life that I actually know what peace and happiness feels like. You know what I mean? Never thought I could get there. What's that one Kirk and Fla- uh, Kirk Franklin song? Um, uh, uh, Brighter Day, I think it's called. Uh, where it's like, I never knew I could be so happy or something, something, something. You know, and like people of all aspects, men, women, like just, you know, just started talking shit. And it was the wildest thing. And like, I'm, I'm pretty much used to it now, but like at the time, it, sometimes it still is a little like, you know, catches me off guard. Cause I'm sitting here thinking like, all right, nigga, when I was eating catfish and macaroni and cheese and down an entire Dr. Pepper by myself, niggas wasn't saying nothing. But now that my nutrition is clean and I'm going to the gym and I'm losing weight and I'm starting to look better, I'm starting to feel better. Here come these people saying, oh, yeah, what you, yeah, you can't, yeah, yeah, And again, I'm going to reference T.D. Jakes again. I was listening to a sermon by him. And actually, no, this was not T.D. Jakes. This was Bishop Bronner out of Atlanta, amazing pastor. He said that, and I'm paraphrasing, that if you ever hear people say, oh, how she get that? How he get that? How he end up with her? How he end up with him? What they doing with that? How they get that job? All this shit. It's oftentimes because those same people have set forth boundaries in their mind for you that you know nothing about, you know. So a person may look at another person and being like, oh, they may they ain't never going to do that. They ain't never going to get that job. He ain't never going to get that girl. He ain't never going to get that guy. But when you do, 
and you exceed that boundary that they set forth for you in their mind, now they're offended. Because they're offended, now they have to put on like this defense mechanism where it's, oh, how they get that, how they get this, how they do that, how they do this. And it's like, because they thought you couldn't do it. And there was an interview that Jay-Z gave a pretty several years ago where he was like, nah, I can do it. You just know you can't. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's that whole thing. If you ain't got nothing nice to say, don't say it at all. And that's the point of this podcast, y'all, is to motivate people and to inspire and to say, hey, look, you can do this. You can make it. You can get it. You can you can do whatever it is that you want to do. But the hard part is how bad do you want it? I saw a caption on Instagram uh, a little while ago. I thought it was dope. The dream is free, but the hustle is sold separately. And you can do whatever it is that you want, but it's how bad do you want it? You know, and I'm going to be honest with y'all when it comes to like working out, for example, like, it, you know, it can get hard. But the thing that keeps me going is knowing that I can't go back. I cannot undo all the progress that I've made. Um, you know, so. I'm pleading with you guys to ignore the negative people, to ignore the negative, the negative energy, uh, because it's going to come your way. The second that you go, you know what? I'm a I'm a I'm a better person in this. I'm going to do better. I'm going to be better. There's going to come the nigga sitting and it's going to be a lot of them, you know, and it's it's wild when you're going through something like that. Not and I, I have dealt with this um on several occasions in the past uh martin luther king said it's not the attacks of your enemies that bother you it's the silence of your friends and when you're going through a hard time and you have friends quote unquote that are not there for you like you thought they should be um it's time to get new friends dog <laughs> now again i've been blessed to i am blessed to say that I, the friends that i have um, have always been in my corner. Um, but once or twice I have experienced ex things with past people where I'm like, damn, I thought we was cooler than that, but I guess we not. So guys, this episode, the first episode entitled sit down, uh, this was pretty much just to aim to tell you guys a little bit about me and what my story is and how I am a walking example of, Hey, you can do this and you can get out of that mental rut maybe physical rut that you're in or both. So on that note, guys, I'm gonna go ahead and call it a day. The next episode we got coming up though is going to be with my dear friend, Amber Barnett. She's going to share a lot of her ups and downs, uh, just like I did. She's gonna share what she's learned from it. She's gonna talk about what she's been through, all that stuff. So guys, by the way, happy Valentine's Day. Today is the 14th. This show is going to air every other Monday. So the next episode will come on on the 28th. And as then, I hope to see you guys again. Subscribe to the podcast. Do what you got to do. Wherever you get your podcast from, make sure you tune in every other Monday. And let me know what you think. I have my Instagram on there. My Instagram is COD1914. My email address is bryantspencer18 at gmail.com in case anybody wants to talk to me or ask me any questions to talk about on the next episode. All right, guys, until next time, peace and love always.